This podcast was recorded at Hartford Street Zen Center, Isanji, in San Francisco. Please help support our temple by making a donation at hscc.org. Good morning. We had some uh, technical challenges this morning, so I'm watching you in a little iPad screen. So uh, the the psychic distance feels a little different. So we'll see how that goes. Also, I, I think we're broadcasting on Instagram. So hello to all you Instagrammers out there. There goes our Instagram camera. There we go. Okay. As I mentioned uh, previously, I think before too long, we will have um, the capacity to invite uh, certainly vaccinated folks to uh, join us in the Zendo. So um, as, as soon as we can, and as soon as we can safely. Some of you are a little too far away for that, but um, you can continue to join us electronically and we will be happy to host you in that fashion at least. Um, I have uh, I have set myself a, a task um, uh, which involves uh, not um, engaging in uh, What's what's sometimes called blasphemous speech, or taking the Lord's name in vain. Um, and uh, <clears throat> I um, I'm a little embarrassed to find out how difficult that is. Having made a uh, almost lifelong habit of um, taking the Lord's name in vain, it is extremely difficult to, uh, what's difficult is to uh, enter that habit space before the unfolding habitual energy has already carried me into uh, using God or Jesus or something in, in a uh, harsh manner. So uh, this is a very concrete application of mindfulness. And I have to say, I'm not very good at it. So I wanted to confess and um, 
if you're wondering why I'm doing that, uh, I have um, uh, kind of uh, rediscovered, sort of mostly by accident, a lifelong interest in um, <clears throat> Western esoteric traditions, uh, something that has fascinated me since I was a little kid. And when I was a little kid, there, there was very little, um, you know, uh, didn't seem to be much interest in that outside of uh, rarefied academic circles, which I certainly didn't belong to. Uh, but now there's quite a bit of interest and there, there are many um, uh, books and uh, critical editions of, of texts and so forth that are now widely available. And uh, so it's kind of caught my interest again. And if one is actually going to uh, utilize uh, some of the ritual procedures and so forth, even in, in just the, the sort of simple and low-level manner in which I have, uh, it involves very often, almost always, you are invoking the higher power. And I could not see doing that, and at the same time, just treating casually this habit of, uh, you know, uh, damning various things and people as my, my um, ill temper inspired me. So I, I mention this because uh, as I say, it's, it is an application of mindfulness and I, I had no idea it would be so difficult. So I, I'm just tossing that out there. Maybe some of you have had a similar experience. Um, uh, some people have brought mindfulness to the, the uh, task of like quitting smoking, for instance. And it's actually, it's pretty hard. Uh, especially if you are kind of bad tempered as I am and if you have, if you, ever since you could get away with it as a kid, you know, saying, God damn this or that, or whatever, whatever expression, uh, if you've been doing that your whole life, it's very difficult to bring mindfulness to bear in such a way that that, that unfolding habit energy can be rerouted. So, um, If uh, such an exercise, something along those lines, is, is of interest to any of you, you might give that a try and see, see what you find. So I, I have had some success, uh, but much less than I would have thought or hoped for. So I intend to keep at it. And I'm not usually given to using uh, profane speech towards others. So I mostly just use it with myself. Uh, but if anybody notices me doing that, 
please bring it gently to my attention because uh, actually I will have noticed it already, but it can be a help to see that other people also notice. The, uh, the Western esoteric traditions and the Eastern are, um, they, they show some, some distinct differences. And this, this uh, occurs to me because, um, uh, let's see, yesterday and yeah, Thursday and yesterday, both. I was pretty sick with migraine. So I, I had to miss our uh, Friday morning seminar with my teacher. But uh, uh, it turns out they were uh, discussing um, uh, mind. And So this, this, this uh, brought to my mind the, the story that I think everyone probably has encountered, the, uh, the story of the sixth ancestor and the monastics who were discussing mind and uh, had observed a uh, flag or a banner in the... Um, courtyard that was uh, moving in the wind and they were disputing with one another whether uh, what, what was moving was it the wind moving or the banner and some of you know that story yeah yes anybody remember yes you remember you remember and what was the six ancestors version of that? It's the mind that's moving. Mind is moving. Um, of course, that is accurate. Uh, I have been, lately I've been um, bringing for your consideration this, uh, this meditation instruction to follow the stream to the source. And in so doing, it is possible to uh, have some deep appreciation for the six ancestors' point of view, you might say. 
then too, in the, the seminar yesterday, um, someone was inspired to look up one of Suzuki Roshi's Dharma talks, uh, where he presents the notion that um, while there is um, maybe some convenience in uh, having such expressions as big mind and small mind, the two are not actually distinct. They're not actually two things. And uh, as Suzuki Roshi put it, uh, anything that we experience, as he said it, is in our mind already. And even though, oh, look, I'm frozen. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. Anyway, even though um, A sec, we're checking on our. We're hearing you well. Yes, it's okay. Yes. Okay. Um, Suzuki Roshi's expression, of course, uh, uh, conjures up the whole. The rich dharmic tradition of um, uh, Yogacara Buddhism. And um, uh, recently, uh, before we returned to our study of Dogen, we were reading the, the um, Yogacara Sutra that uh, occupied us for some time. And um, the uh, the capsule definition, you might say, of the Yogacara point of view is that there is no such thing as any phenomenon anywhere, anytime, apart from mind. And Suzuki expressed it somewhat similarly. So this is, uh, you know, it's uh, important for us to acquaint ourselves with this point of view and, uh, you know, to have some realization, and I'm not using that term in, you know, some particularly dramatic way, just that uh, realization in the sense of to make real for us. And sitting as we do uh, in stillness, following the stream to the source, that is precisely the place of this realization. And um, our habit, of course, is to assume that the world uh, comes to us from out there. 
And that is not actually accurate. There's a certain empiricist point of view where that might be useful, but that is actually not an adequate explanation. Uh, the notion that uh, mind, what we call mind in the West, is just a receptacle for impressions that come at us from you know, the ten directions uh, is not adequate. And as as we are sitting here now, appreciating that everything that is happening is arising, you might say, as this body-mind right now is, um, uh, well, I almost said within our grasp, but it's not about grasping. That is how things are happening now. And taking our seat there over and over again uh, is the uh, embodiment of realization of the true, true nature of mind. It's uh, a little bit, uh, or at least it was a little windy Definitely last night, it was kind of windy. I was awake for much of the night <laughs> to my disappointment, but oh well. So uh, uh, today, if you're out and about, uh, bring the sixth ancestor with you and hear him or if you like her say, oh, it is the mind that's moving. And um, do not try to make that true, but uh, let the whole body be a, uh, an, an amazing sensory organ. this kind of way of studying studying our life and our experience is profoundly peaceful also. Another way this was being discussed at the seminar, somehow they got into the discussion of um, form and emptiness. And I, I wasn't there, so I, I can't reproduce how the, uh, the dialogue went, but um, the question came up 
whether emptiness is dependent on form. And um, of course, based on the Heart Sutra, um, not just form, but the other skandhas also, rupa, vedana, sanya, samskara, and vijnana, are they dependent on emptiness or vice versa? It's very helpful when considering such questions if one is anchored in the practice of zazen. If one is acquainted with the actual nature of mind. Otherwise, it could just turn into a, an intellectual pursuit. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. It's just that well, maybe it's not all that helpful in our lives. It's actually, speaking of mindfulness, it's actually rather distracting to have what looks like me in this little screen here be doing something other than I think I'm doing while I'm speaking. So I actually have no idea what's going on, but anyway, I assume you're still hearing me. Let's put it that way. This one's totally separate. Totally separate. Okay. Uh, from my point of view, I don't think we can say that a form is dependent on emptiness or vice versa. That doesn't quite work. But the Heart Sutra tells us form is not other than emptiness. Yes? You, you remember your Sanskrit, yadrupam? In just that way, the sensation, conception, and so forth inseparable from emptiness. My screen just tossed up a brief expression in Italian, but I didn't catch it. So I hope, I hope all is well. <laughs> Reduce to Colombo e Toronto. 
okay. <laughs> that's, that's, we, we can return to that later. Um, to, is any of this I'm talking about the nature of mind? Is that ringing any bells? At least, is that something you can practice with? It's, this is not at all our, our usual way of thinking in the West. Although, in the esoteric tradition, one of the uh, favorite documents in that tradition does speak of uh, reality as being predominantly mental. So I thought that was interesting. So from that point of view also, there is nothing separate from mind in the Western philosophical traditions, there's some tendency to label such points of view as idealist or idealism. That's not quite what we're talking about here. This is not a philosophical position. A Shakyamuni Buddha was um, in many ways, a very competent philosopher, but that was not primarily what he was interested in. He was interested in the matter of liberation. And coming to apprehend the nature of mind is extremely beneficial in that regard. as is the understanding of the dynamism that is expressed by saying form and emptiness are not two, nor are they dependent upon each other. They're all aspects of Buddha's doctrine of liberation. And that was his, his main interest. In the Western esoteric traditions also, they don't use the vocabulary of liberation so much. But there is this notion that a, uh, a, a view, an understanding, an experience of reality that is not limited just to the surface uh, is a kind of liberation.
So for, for each of us, I would suggest the question of whether the mind is moving or the flag is moving or the wind is moving is of some significance. That's not just idle reflection. Someone has his hand up. Has he? We can't see it there. Oh. Uh, can't. Is there a question or a comment? Yes, I see. Actually, I can't see him. Okay. Hi, Reverend Mule. I, I do have a question. Um, uh, so, I was at a name. I was at a precept ceremony uh, where Sam Musunim gave to uh, a student who was a a descendant of slaves um, a nickname apparently that Bodhidharma went by, which is Old Barbarian. She couldn't receive it well. To her, it was like being sounded like being called the N word. Oh, oh my. Uh, she stormed out. Oh dear. This was or, not really? This was maybe five years ago or so. Years ago. Uh -huh. She didn't storm out of the ceremony, but shortly afterwards she just left and she wouldn't receive the name and she just, that was it. Uh -huh. So when we, when we think about mind moving and saying, we're perceiving something like a flag and then there's the flag internal and external. That seems like one sort of mind moving that's a, quite a precise question. But when we ask about mind moving, like in terms of how do I interpret what you mean by old barbarian, that seems like a whole other kind of mind moving. Could you comment? Well, I guess I, I wouldn't agree that it's necessarily different uh, in terms of the nature of mind. In terms of our experience, yeah, it would be different. Is the difference just because the, um, instead of being an eye consciousness question, it would be a, question of semantic or discursive consciousness or something like that? Well, that's, yeah, that's an aspect of it. That's true. But also, uh, it is, uh, how should I say, it is uh, heavily involved, you might say, with the samskara skanda. There is great emotional charge, which probably was not the case with the flag. Unless those those uh, two monastics were actually fighting with each other, which I guess is not inconceivable. So, uh, I, I'm I'm sorry there wasn't an opportunity in in that situation you described 
um, for Samsunim uh, or, or someone to explain that being given Bodhidharma's nickname was kind of like a blessing and not a curse. But it seems like the samskara energy was so strong that it carried her right out of the assembly. But I suspect that um, the uh, karmic blessing continued with her. And if it didn't manifest right then, perhaps later. So uh, I guess it's possible that, that what I'm talking about may, may seem to be very abstract, but I don't, uh, I'm not trying to present it that way and I don't experience it that way. And my suggestion is that um, uh, don't, don't be misled by the sense that it's a kind of an abstract question because it isn't, it's about our actual life. and about the miraculous nature of this body-mind. I'm, I don't know, I'm, uh, already been talking quite a while. I'm just, I'm wondering if we need to, um, you know, uh, make sure we're clear that, I, I think you all know this, when we're talking about emptiness, we're not talking about a thing. I just want to make sure we're, we're clear about that. Emptiness is not a thing, a stuff. Okay. It is the nature of reality. Just so we're clear. Maybe, are there some other questions or, or comments? No. Yes. Um, we were talking about uh, where uh, Suzuki Roshi said, uh, talking about the terms big mind and little mind are just a matter of con the convenience of language. Um, and I personally could easily extrapolate that to every dichotomous situation. Mm -hmm. So, in other words, self and other, form and emptiness. Mm -hmm. Those are all ways in which we try to communicate something of reality. Linguistic conventions. To each other. Yeah. And that's it. 
aside from that, I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, well, uh, as as much as as language comes in handy, it is also uh, a source of a lot of confusion. So um, we we need to be careful. And in, in the Zen and Chan traditions, it's recognized that as soon as you open your mouth, you're in trouble. Yeah. That's where nose twisting exists and so on. Nose twistings and so on, and uh, you know, warnings about you know, pick up a grain of dust and you pick up the whole universe. But still, you know, as kind of Gary Roshi liked to say, you have to say something. Mm -hmm. You can't just sit there in dumb silence all the time. Tempting as that might be. Well, um, maybe that's enough for now, unless someone would like to comment further. Please in, invite the sixth ancestor along to go with you today. Hmm? Oh, Tendo did. Oh, oh, I just saw him there for a second. Tendo san, are you there? Yes, uh, So I wanted to make sure earlier in your talk, you talked about Western and Eastern esoteric traditions having some major differences. It sounded like you looped back at the end with saying that there was an emphasis in Eastern traditions on liberation that were not present in Western traditions. Mm. Is that the distinction you meant to draw? I think I would say that's maybe the main distinction uh do do you see it a bit differently i do but i mean to me that sense of sort of alchemical transformation yeah is very much uh, a different way of talking about liberation uh -huh. in the sense that there's the transformation of something proverbially into gold or whatever right but on the eastern side you have these different things like the revolution on the basis or um something like that yeah. so so in both instances reality isn't changing right but but something that i don't understand is and uh things sort of miraculously unfold differently yeah from certain place so, well, um, in some sense, uh, liberation is of interest to every sentient being. So, uh, it's not that it's excluded uh, from the Western point of view, but the Western point of view very often uh, springs from a matrix where. Um, what is expressed as the summum bonum, the highest good, 
it's not exactly expressed as liberation, it's expressed as salvation. But that, you know, effectively may not be all that different. Uh, salvation is to be uh, liberated, you might say, from uh, the limitations of a worldly point of view. And that's pretty liberating, seems to me. But there is a different flavor and there is different language. That's what I say today, anyway. I will continue my studies, which were interrupted by lack of access when I was like uh, 15, 16. <laughs> and I will continue my practice of trying to avoid profane speech. And I, I invite any, any of you, you others to undertake similar experiments and see how it goes and maybe share with us what your experience is like. Okay, well, um, please uh, take care of yourselves. Take care of the beings in your immediate circle and uh, enjoy the, the Bodhisattva vow, which invites every being into our circle. Thank you very much.